the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. podcast right here on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, the best podcast network in the world. Radiomisfits.com is where you can get this podcast and a ton of other incredibly varied, informative, entertaining, funny, terrific podcasts. Make sure you check it out. Make sure that you take the time to rate and review us all on every single platform. All the podcasts, including this one, are available everywhere. Uh, If you do a Google search of the Nick D podcast, it pops up on all your platforms. And please take the time to give us your feedback to rate and review on every platform and discuss at RadioMisfits.com. Hey, you want to be a sponsor of this podcast? We'd love to hear from you. Yes, I would like to buy some advertising on the Nick D podcast. All you got to do is contact us, sales at RadioMisfits.com, sales at RadioMisfits.com if you'd like to be an advertiser. It is Nick D. It is uh, the Nick D podcast, episode number 90. Holy cow, we're getting close to 100. I don't know what we're going to do for the 100th uh, episode. I'll have to think about it. Uh, Hey, what do you think we should do for the 100th episode? These are the kind of things we'd like to hear from you. In fact, this is a very interactive thing, this podcast. We want to hear from you, the subscriber, the listener. You're the most incredibly important thing about this whole thing. So we like your feedback. We like your contributions. We like your questions. We like your megaphone message requests. We have the, what we call the magic megaphone where somehow it's taken off and turned into a, into a pretty popular bit where subscribers go, I would like you, Nick, to record a message into your megaphone and play it back for everybody. Um, so sometimes it's a message to your friends or to your neighbors or a secret that you'd like to reveal or just a goofy thing you'd like me to say, and it translates through the magic megaphone. If you want that or questions or comments or anything like that, what should we do for the 100th uh, episode? Let me know. Leave us a voicemail, uh, 24-7, seven days a week. It's always open, 773-417-6948, 773-417-6948 for a voicemail message. Email us anytime you want, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. That theme that you heard, of course, is by the Jason Sk- the wonderful Jason Skaggs, who flew in from Houston for just one night as part of the tremendously fun time that we had just this past Tuesday night. Uh, at Zany's in Rosemont. Um, God, it turned out to be a really wonderful night. It was just so much fun. And if you came out, thank you so much. Um, if you didn't make it, we're going to do it again for sure. Um, and not just one more time. We're going to do it a bunch of times. Um, you know, the response was really great. We had a nice crowd. Uh, everybody had a great time. Uh, very interactive Everybody in that room had fun. They participated in everything that we did, including telling stories, including answering trivia questions, including uh, doing taste tests. It was just a fun community of people, and everybody at Zany's had a great time. The servers were happy. The management was happy. 
Uh, the tech guys were happy. It was just great all the way around. So we're going to do it again. And Rosemont, Zany's Rosemont, under, unbelievably cool people in a wonderful room and a really great place to do a live podcast performance. It was fantastic um, on every level. And it's only going to get better. And if you didn't make it, it's okay because we're going to do it again. And you can also listen to it if you missed it. You can listen to it. It's the episode right before this one. It's episode number 89. So go to RadioMisfits.com, and you can look up episode 89 of the Nick D Podcast, and that is the full recording of the full two-hour live Nick D Podcast performance at Zanies and Rosemont. It's all there. Um, and I want to thank Jason for flying out from Houston and performing all the songs acoustically and adding a lot of fun stuff to the show. And I want to thank Esmeralda Leon, who is my, uh, my partner, and she was fantastic, and we had a great time. I want to thank Colin. Um, her boy toy, as we called him, for being there and not only being there, but helping out, you know, handing out a lot of the food that we were taste testing and taking some pictures. And he's an all around great guy, very supportive of everything that we do and especially obviously supportive of what everything that uh, Esmeralda does. So my thanks to Colin for doing that. Uh, my thanks to my parents for coming out who were late. <laughs> they showed up late and disrupted the entire beginning of the show. Uh, but my dad, who came up on stage and just fucking killed with his jokes. He was really nervous and he kind of stumbled a little bit during his first joke because he was nervous, but he recovered and killed and everybody. I mean, people were taking more pictures with him afterwards than with me and Esmeralda. Um, so my dad just like was a, was a rock star and he'll do that again. The next time we, every, every single time we do a live uh, Nick D live podcast um, recording at, at Zany's in Rosemont, my dad will close the show with a joke. There's no question about it, but he killed and it was great. Um, and Tony Fitzpatrick, who was our surprise guest. He was our special surprise guest. Uh, his stories were amazing. His, his, you know, like, again, and because this is uncensored, we could actually talk a lot more the way that we talk in real life as opposed to the way that we had to talk when we were on, you know, the, the FCC-ruled, uh, uh, you know, AM radio stations. Um, we are able to drop the F-bombs and tell the stories. And, and Tony telling stories without any sort of inhibition or any sort of rules makes his stories even better, and his stories are great anyway. But Tony Fitzpatrick, great artist, great writer, great actor, great everything, all-around Renaissance man, true Chicagoan, fantastic talk with Tony, um, and he delighted the crowd and just was, was amazing. So my thanks to everybody who came out. God damn it, a girl I went to high school, two girls I went to high school with were in the front row. Um, uh, Chris and Laura, who I went to high school with, Chris was uh, class of 82. Laura and I were class of 83. And Laura, the girl I'm mentioning now, was the love of my life in high school. Now, we never dated or anything, but there was a mutual sort of chemistry thing happening between us. We both liked each other very much, but she was seeing somebody else and I was seeing somebody else. But she was always the major crush of my life of high school. Like, I, any time I think of the girls that I loved in high school, the one that was at the top of the list, kind of the only one, was Laura. And she was there in the front row, and I haven't seen her in many, 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 many years. Um, I think the last time I saw her was at one of our reunions, maybe at least 25, 30 years ago. So there she is, the, my high school sweetheart crush. I mean, we, we never dated, but my, 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 my high school crush, the girl I loved for all four years of high school, sitting right in the front row. So that was delightful. I had some other friends show up. Eric uh, showed up, and um, and and Steve Procopi, Eric uh, and Steve Procopi showed up. Uh, Jim Ryan, who was our music guy, who by the way will be on the next uh, episode of the podcast, he was there. Um, uh, Tom Appel, the car guy, 
uh, was there uh, with his wife. Um, and uh, he sent me a couple of emails. Nick, great show. Your dad is awesome, as everybody thought. And my wife had a great time, too, because his lovely wife was there, too. And then Tom sent me another one, another email that said, hey, Nick, I forgot to mention. Um, I forgot to mention that uh, that the dude next to me at Zany's, he recognized my voice and he said, I know you, your car guy, Tom. And then Tom says, proudest moment of my life. Clearly, he's a regular listener. And that's from uh, Tom Appel. So we had regulars, we had contributors there, we had friends, we had family, we had a whole bunch of strangers. Um, it was a great night. It was a, it was a really, really great night on every level. And it was fun. And we all had a great time on stage. And Jason Skaggs, again, came from, came from Houston all the way. And Tony and Esmeralda and my parents and Colin and me. We thank you all for coming out. It was a really wonderful night. And it meant a lot, too. It was kind of, uh, kind of like the icing on the cake of this year of trying out this new thing called a podcast. You know, um, I didn't know how it was going to turn out. And it's become popular. And you guys are really supportive in terms of like numbers and listeners and things like that. And you came out and you supported us. And I know a lot of people couldn't. And, and I had a difficult time advertising this because I got put in Facebook jail for I'm still on restriction, quote unquote, on Facebook and Facebook and, and, you know, in general, social media was the biggest, if not one of the only places where I could advertise this event. And about a month ago, I got kicked off of Facebook because someone came in and took over my page and then posted something offensive. And then I couldn't post anything for a week. So that's a week worth of advertising that I could have done for this podcast event. Um, And so even with those roadblocks and restrictions, we still had a really healthy crowd uh, on a really crappy night, too. It was like the first Tuesday was the f- when I woke up in the morning. Uh, I was listening to Steve Cochran's show, as you should do every morning between 5.30 and 9. Oh, and Tom Hush came out. I want to thank Tom for being, uh, for being there and also being a very great contributor. And, his, and, his, and his, uh, his, well, his wife, Lauren, well, it won't be his wife yet until tomorrow, but, uh, but his wife, Lauren, came out. And, uh, and, and so, you know, uh, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about it on Cochran's show, but th- that was kind of the only way that I was able to really advertise it. And so you came out, and, uh, and we're going to do it again. Trust me, it's going to be a great time. So thank you so much for coming out. Just a little recap. We had a great time. Coming up on this podcast episode right now in just a couple of seconds, the lovely Marnie Shore. Marnie is a, uh, an editor at The Takeout, which is a website blog kind of thing that's dedicated exclusively to food stories, uh, and food news and uh, talking about food and all that kind of cool, cool stuff. It's an offshoot of the Onion website. And uh, we're going to talk about th- uh, Thanksgiving stuff, lots of foodie Thanksgiving-related stuff. We're also going to do a taste test, which we did. We did a taste testing of Christmas-related items. Um, and Tony Fitzpatrick had some very definitive ways of describing the Twinkies. You'll want to hear that if you go back and listen to episode 89. You'll want to hear what Tony Fitzpatrick said about those Twinkies. But we love to do taste tests here. So Marnie and I, my guest from The Takeout, coming up next, are going to do that. Esmeralda and I are going to join each other, as we always do. Esmeralda's going to be here. We're going to finish up those crazy facts that we're going to talk about. And uh, Esmeralda will tell us about how she felt about Tuesday night at uh, the Nick D Podcast Live and how we're going to be doing that uh, next time again. And we'll catch up on some other emails. And um, there is, again, another megaphone message that we're going to be listening to. So all of that and more on this episode of the Nick D Podcast. And once again, thank you so much for coming out. Unfortunately, this young lady couldn't make it. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. I know you do, baby. Next time. Come next time to the podcast, uh, live podcast at Zanies and Rosemont. And we will soon announce a date for the next uh, live uh, performance of the Nick D Podcast at Zanies in Evanston. So... 
All right, uh, let's get to it. Marnie Shore is the editor at uh, The Takeout, uh, a, grand, a fantastic food uh, website. So we're going to talk all kinds of food, but first, let's say congratulations to you. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh, yeah, don't be a jagoff. All right, I am uh, really pleased to welcome back to the podcast. Um, she was a regular on my old uh, overnight show uh, on that radio station that shall not be mentioned, like Valdemort. And uh, she is now, uh, as far as I'm concerned, going to be a regular on this podcast. Um, she is a, uh, I believe it's the managing editor. Well, I'll get that straight when I actually ask her of the Takeout, which is a fantastic website and blog that's associated with the Onion, where it's nonstop food stories, food talk, everything about food. And her name is Marnie Shore. Marnie Shore, how are you, Marnie? Hello, Nick. I'm good. How about yourself? I'm all right. Welcome back. Had so much fun the last time you were on. Uh, we did Same some here. fun. Had some fun taste tests, and we'll do another taste test at the end of this interview. And uh, first of all, tell everyone about The Takeout. And, uh, and what is your official title? Was I right? You were absolutely right. Managing editor. <laughs> okay. And uh, yeah, so The Takeout is a website, uh, thetakeout.com. You can visit it. It's all about celebrating food and not necessarily the fancy kind that is featured in so many other places. Um, it's for people who don't necessarily cook, who love fast food, who love snacks and candy. And, you know, we talk about things that people who talk about food around the water cooler talk about, you know, yeah, it's yeah. not, here's how to cook um, a, a fine roast. It's like, right. here's how to get a really good uh, meal out of your $5 cravings box at Taco Bell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. That's the mission, so I guess. It's like to... it's like it's like normal people food talk. We're not going to get pretentious, <laughs> right? Yeah. Hey, yes, unpretentious and celebratory. Outstanding, and that's what I love so much about it. And I love you, Marnie. You're so much fun to talk to, and you're just a, you're <laughs> oh, thank you, you're Nick. just a lovely individual. And I just think you're great oh. all the way around. And any Shucks. anything anything that's associated with the onion, I love. Of course, right? It's yeah, it's, it's got some shared DNA there. It certainly does. Um, it certainly does. Even hey, before before we jump into the food stuff, hey. Uh, mortified is a thing. Uh, another thing that I absolutely love. Um, oh, for, yes. for people who might not know what Mortified is, and I got to get the regulars back on. I used to have regulars from Mortified on my show every time, you know, maybe like a week before they were, or the week of a, a live show that they were doing. And I, got, and I know that there mm -hmm. was just a live show now. You guys did a Mortified show. Tell me about that. Yeah, so um, I am one of the story producers of Mortified Chicago. Mortified is a storytelling series that has outlets. Um, there, there are versions of it all around the country and even in Europe and around the world. But Chicago's version, you know, you can catch it uh, about quarterly, every few months. Um, and it is about uh, public redemption through... Um, mass humiliation, I think, might be the tagline. But yeah, yeah, essentially, yeah. it's people 
on stage reading the stuff they created as kids. Diary entries, art projects, poetry. Um, some people have shown music videos they made as high schoolers. All yeah. the stuff that we're so embarrassed to share. But then by sharing it together, we share the shame. And it's really cathartic. And it's a very cool stage show. So everybody should go check it out. Yeah, Mortified Chicago. And again, I'm trying to remember how many people I've had on. I've had so many people. And, I've, and some of my regulars have actually been participants in Mortified. Like my old yes. friend uh, Dmitry Samarov um, mm-hmm. has participated in it. Uh, Nick Sampson, who is was a regular listener, yes. he, he was Nick Junior when he was a kid. He was <laughs> he he loved me. I don't I don't understand it, but he loved me when I was a kid. <laughs> when he was a kid, and he showed up at my studio at the Showcase Studio one night dressed as me for Halloween. <gasps> oh my god! I. <laughs> Okay, I have to talk about that the next time I see him because we next worked on one of the him. shows together and no, that's t- incredible. Listen, I didn't serious, know. Oh, bring that up. Call him Nick Jr. Did you know he was called Nick Jr.? No. Okay, Nick Jr. after me. After me. So, um, no, no, no. Make sure you, because I got a picture. I can send you the picture, Marty. I'll send you the picture of oh me and him. Oh my God, yes, please. And he, he showed up at the studio. He was such a big fan of mine. I think he was 10 maybe, 9 or 10. He's a big movie fanatic and that's how he started listening yes. to my show. And uh, well, you know him. He's a wonderful. He's a wonderful guy. Um, oh, but yeah. for some reason, he was obsessed with me. And he showed up, and he was dressed like me. He had a backwards baseball cap on and a flannel. And I was like, dude. And he, we brought him into the studio and took a picture with me and him. Um, <laughs> so yeah, and he's participated in it. And now I guess what? Well, so he helps now work out. The, he's like a story editor with you now. So he performed in Chicago, and then um, Mortified also just had its inaugural performance in Madison, and he was part of that um, as a performer. Um, So, you know, sometimes you can take your show on the road, as it were. I've performed my Mortified piece in both Chicago and L.A., um, and... Yeah, there was a show just last night at the Music Box, right? Um, and we had performers. One performer had come from New York, uh, where she had performed her piece before, and then got to play it to a new audience. So, right. you know, sometimes you get a mixture of uh, freshly mortifying material and stuff that has absolutely killed in yeah. their markets. <laughs> sure. Yeah, that makes sense. So, who are some of the people who are still involved in the Chicago Mortify? Because I, I, I'm, I'm, I know that I've had everybody on. I think I've had almost everybody on. Yeah, I know you had me uh, talk about Mortified a few years ago, and then yeah. Katie Johnston-Smith and yeah. Eric Garneau are the current mm-hmm. producers, mm-hmm. and um, other story editors, Mary Zemitis, um, and myself, and a new producer, Allison Schoen, yeah. uh, Dwight Hassler is part of the band. It's a great, great crew. Fantastic. Um, and in yeah, the website- and there's another web- show- yeah, go ahead, please. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's getmortified.com is the website if you want to learn more, but- I can tell you right now, there's a show at the Music Box on February 9th. February 9th. So if anyone's curious about that, yeah, it'll be uh, again at the Music Box, and it's in partnership with WBEZ. Awesome. Well, listen, here's the deal. Before February 9th, I want to get you and a couple of other Mortified people on just to talk Mortified, okay? Absolutely. And that we'll do that before February 9th so that everybody, we can talk about it, and, and that'll lead into the show uh, at the Music Box. Um, and which is a wonderful place to do anything, you know. Um, so that's great. Uh, but before we get into the food again, I know that I, what what was your mortified piece? Can you tell me a little bit about it? <laughs> oh yeah. Um, okay. My mortified piece uh, was a series of journals written between um, like seventh and ninth grade, and it was all about coming to terms with the fact that uh, 
my sister wasn't perfect and that I had to stop judging every single thing she did. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I'd, I'd be, I'd take to my journal and say, oh my God, I can't believe it. We just found her cigarettes or, oh my God, I can't believe she just, you know, we found out that she drinks sometimes. And it's like, you know, these, yeah. these things that seemed so momentous at the time. And eventually, uh, I think she knows I, I forgive her for those transgressions now. Yeah. That's fantastic. That is great. Yeah. Now, during the show, sometimes they will, on the screen, they'll project like pictures or images and stuff like that or actual drawings. Did any of that pop up during your piece? Yes. Um, lots of pictures of both my sister and I at our awkward phases. Um, <laughs> but yeah, also um, some some diary entries with lots of angry underlining of words like, <laughs> you know, cigarettes, yeah. exclamation, exclamation. <laughs> So the visual aids really help. <laughs> oh, it's so cool. I've been to Mortified shows, and as 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 I've said, I've been a supporter of, of Mortified in general. So check out getmortified.com. And, and Pat, actually, people, you guys do accept, like, hey, you accept stories from people. Like, if they want to they talk about embarrassing stuff they did when they were young or art projects or any of that kind of stuff, they can share that with you guys, correct? Oh, yeah. You, if you want to be part of a stage show, you can go to getmortified.com and, um, you know, Enter some material, submit some stuff. If you have old journals or poetry, painting, I don't know, anything lying yeah. around um, from, you know, your formative years, you can sign up to be part of a screening process where we would determine if it's a fit for the show. That's fantastic. Okay. And all of that is at GetMortified.com. Then the next show is February 9th, and we'll talk about it more as we approach that date. We'll get, uh, we'll get you and some other Mortified folks on, okay, Marnie? Sounds great. All right, let's get back to food. By the way, before we get back to the food, there is a new movie that I've seen um, that comes out. Uh, I th- oh, it comes out today, in fact, uh, which would be a Friday, um, and um, it's called The Menu. Have you heard about this movie? Oh my gosh, I am so jealous that you have already seen The Menu. I <laughs> cannot wait. I am. I'm lucky in that I'm. I'm. You know, I'm a fil- film critic. You know, for this podcast for WLS and as the Chicago Film Critics Association, I'm a member of that, and so I get to see all the movies before they came out. I mean, I saw the Spielberg movie last night, The Fablemans, and so I get to see everything before they come out. Uh, I'm lucky in that regard. And so I saw The Menu last week. Um, it's Ray Fiennes, Anya Taylor Joy, John Leguizamo, and many others. Um, let me just say this: I loved it. Um, Marnie, I loved it. I, I thought it was funny. And what you guys do at the takeout to, to kind of knock down the pretension a bit, that's what this whole movie's about. <laughs> I just can't wait. Not only because it looks like a really fantastic movie, but it was actually written by um, Will Tracy and Seth Reese, uh, yeah. who used to be the editor-in-chief and head writer at The Onion. When mm-hmm. I worked at The Onion, I worked with both of them. Yeah. And so it is just... It is just wild to know that this amazing it, movie's coming out that is and, the source, you know, it's from their brains. <laughs> well, it's got that feel to it completely. It really does. And I knew their credits before. I knew who they were beforehand. And uh, and the person who directed it, the guy who directed it, in fact, is a, is a major uh, contributor to um, uh, uh, Succession. Um, oh, perfect. And has directed many episodes of that. And it's got that tone, like, let's knock the rich down a couple of pegs uh, kind of a tone to it. And... Um, I just think it's terrific, and I, you know, and I know you're going to love it. And it succeeds on that foodie level. I mean, it makes especially Nicholas, Nicholas Holt is in it, mm-hmm. um, and he is the consummate asshole, pretentious foodie <laughs> in it. You're going to lose your mind at it. And Ray Fiennes plays the chef. It's just, 
it's a terrific movie, and especially if you, especially if you if you you know when you watch food shows and you want to punch people in the face every once in a while and go, oh come <laughs> on, you know, that's you right. Know, it's just a piece of turkey. Relax. So anyway, so anyway, check out the menu. You'll love it. So can't wait. Okay, let's talk about some of the stuff that you guys have been writing about at um, the takeout. Tell me about the raising cane story. There's a lawsuit. What's happening there? Raising cane, everybody's favorite chicken joint, right? Yeah, so it's it's one of those things where you read the headlines of this story and you think that it is fake or a joke or exaggerated. Basically, Raising Cane's, um, a chicken joint, sells great chicken tenders and everything, chicken fingers. It's in a lawsuit with an Indiana mall because basically they entered a 15-year lease with this mall without being made aware of a clause saying that chicken cannot be sold on the premises. <laughs> so <laughs> literally like what their hands are kind of tied. Um, but essentially it is a, it's kind of like the fast food equivalent of a non-compete because oh, right, right. <laughs> McDonald's kind of rules the roost at this mall. Right. Um, By the way, nice use and, of rules the roost. Nice, nice job there. That oh, one. God. It was not even intentional. Oops. Uh, but yeah, so the this McDonald's nearby, the Raising Cane's location, the Raising Cane's had set up shop in a location that had entered into a previous non-compete with McDonald's, guaranteeing that McDonald's has the exclusive right to sell deboned chicken to the shopping center. This was some weird carve out that sustained another restaurant just fine, but that is the last thing that Raising Cane's can afford to do. Yeah. So now they're trying to sue the mall to get out of the lease or to allow them to sell the chicken. Um, and I I have no idea what's going to happen with this, but it's just such a funny uh, always read the fine print sort of tale. That is such a weird – that is so weird. That is so weird. I mean, we, we you know we've talked about um, a lot here on, on the podcast about weird laws that still exist, mm-hmm. you know, like laws that were put on the books like in the 1800s or the – you know, 1900s or something, and they're still there. Like, uh, you can't fish on a Thursday in, like, Will County. You know, something like that. And that seems yeah. like one of those things, like, hey, I signed this lease, and what, what there's a chicken rule in the lease? Yeah, and it, it, it actually makes the point that, like, a lot of these laws and restrictions that we have on the books are not at all related to safety or, you know, keeping the peace or anything. It's like companies deciding what's best for them and then everything else following suit. So it's just a weird anomalous thing that is potentially going to curse this Racing Cane's location to sell something other than chicken. That's so weird. And can you imagine, what are they going to sell other than chicken, Racing Cane? What are they going to do? Fries. Fries, that's it. Lots of fries. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we'll see. We'll keep a track. I'm sure that at the takeout, you guys are covering this, this story. With bated breath. Yeah, keeping an eye on it. Yep. All right, keep mm-hmm. an eye on it for the Raising Cane lawsuit in Indiana. Oh, Indiana. Leave it to Indiana, <laughs> won't you? <laughs> right. Uh, what's this World Cup related? Here's a timely one with the World Cup at its, you know, World Cup fever sweeping the nation. What, uh, with the world, I should say. What's going on with the World Cup now? There's a food-related World Cup story that's interesting. Yeah, and the funny thing is it shares a lot of similarities with the Raising Cane story. Um, basically... Budweiser has been the official sponsor of the FIFA World Cup since 1985. That is a long time. And they pay 
handsomely to be that sponsor. You know, $75 million was a figure cited in a previous World Cup uh, by the New York Times. And um, yeah, so, you know, the the World Cup is happening in Qatar. And uh, Qatar is not a place where Budweiser flows freely. You know, Qatar itself has lots of um, restrictions around alcohol. It's not strictly outlawed in the area because there is a weird carve out where hotel bars can serve alcohol kind of to lure tourists um more than to cater to the general population right right but you know planners of the world cup kind of gave a last minute change to budweiser saying oh yeah by the way you can't sell beer inside the stadium you'll have to sell it outside the stadium and no one's allowed to yeah and no one's allowed to bring it in if they buy it outside so you know (laughs) it's it was treated it you know reading between the lines a bit it does seem like it was slipped in because of course they knew that this was unacceptable to budweiser's sponsorship so it was only made clear last Friday, Whoa. eight days before the start of the tournament. Oh man! That, yeah, that this had been handed down from the state and uh, and communicated to Budweiser very, very late. So of course they're scrambling because you know they they pay for this sponsorship for very specific reasons, and they aren't even allowed to like advertise the beer inside the stadium you know like beyond just selling it it's it's a sponsorship opportunity and if they're not allowed to show their logo they are understandably pissed yeah so yeah it's it's gonna be a big debacle and i you know you you know as someone who i worked in an irish bar i bartended in an irish english bar uh owned by a owned owned by an englishman and owned by an, uh, an irishman and i and i worked there once while the world cup was happening um and uh it was a madhouse, uh, an absolute madhouse. And I can't imagine not, you know, football fans not being able to, hardcore football fans not being able to have booze or beer while they're watching the game. I can't even imagine that. Right. And, you know, it is such, it's so ingrained in, yeah. like, the the culture. But the truly wild part of all this is that, okay, if if they had known in advance that this was the case, a, they probably wouldn't have sponsored it at all, or B, they could have lobbied for changes in that respect. Because FIFA announced this host for the World Cup in 2010. So that was 12 years ago. Yeah. And, you know, presumably Budweiser had been checking in in the ensuing years saying, hey, just just so we're clear, we can sell beer in this place that famously doesn't really have beer around, right? And, you know, and and, and to get that edict eight days in advance is just, it's... That's, it's incredible. It'll, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the courts decide about all this. True, true. No, I think that's a legit lawsuit right there. I mean, especially if you've yeah. got 12, 12 years and they wait till just days before. Uh, that's nuts. <laughs> right. That seems underhanded. Nuts. Uh, yeah, it certainly does. Well, I can't imagine a booze-free uh, World Cup, and I and I know millions of people who feel the same way. Right. I mean, there used to be people who would line up outside the bar at six o'clock in the morning, you know, because these games are played four o'clock in the morning. Six. O'clock. I mean, just yeah. uh, I mean the, the World World Cup fever. All right. Well, all right. We'll see what happens with Budweiser in that story. Um, <laughs> hey, just a, you know, because you guys do also just like typical food related stories and behavior stories. I love this. You 
Talk about rules for not being an asshole in a grocery store and more specifically not being an asshole at the deli. Now, again, just to add a personal thing to it, I worked at Jewel for 11 years. So I am intimately familiar with people who act like assholes in grocery stores. Now, I never worked the deli. I never worked the deli. But I am, inter- you know, I have seen people act like assholes. I was, the, I was a dairy frozen dairy manager for, for many years. Mm-hmm. And I've seen people, you know, uh, take all the gallons of milk off the, uh, out of the cooler to get to the magical gallon that's six months, you know, that last for oh an extra God. 10 days. Uh, I have seen people do the egg thing where they pick out the perfect egg and make their dozen out of that. And they'll stand there for 10 minutes looking through every dozen package. No oh, eggs. Wait. No. Yeah. So so they okay so I always check the eggs to make sure they're not broken but are you saying that people uh assemble a dozen yeah. from the ones that they just like the best? Absolutely. Yes. Ha- have you <laughs> oh seen uh Marnie have you seen Kevin Smith's movie Clerks? Not for years. Okay, well there is a moment in the movie where he talks about these assholes who come into the store and do stupid shit like one one guy <laughs> says, "What do you mean you don't have any ice? You mean you got to drink this coffee hot?" That's a that's a typical <laughs> That's that's from Clerks, and that's absolutely right. And then they have the, they, what they call the milk maiden, who takes every single gallon off to find the magic, you know, date in the back that's going to last six months. And then the egg person, the guy who comes in and looks at every egg, and I'm not kidding, not just to see if they're, everybody opens up their 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 egg package and looks to make sure there are no cracked eggs or broken eggs. Right. But there are people, and I'm not kidding, who assemble the perfect dozen by going through, you know, dozens of boxes. I'm not kidding. What are it's they a real looking thing. for? Are they I just looking know. for like slightly bigger eggs? I, I don't know, but it's a real thing. And, and so, oh but what are, what are these assholeish behaviors that we should avoid uh, that you guys talk about? Yeah. So tell me if any of these sound familiar to things that you saw, Jewel. Okay. Um, you know, well, this one is, you know, a fairly recent phenomenon, but first and foremost, whether you're at the grocery store or the deli, hang up your phone, you know? It's you're distracted. Uh, if you're dealing with a, um, you know, customer service person or a clerk or anything, definitely hang up your phone. But honestly, if you can avoid being on your phone just while shopping in general, I think that's best because, you know, you move slower when you're distracted. You don't realize it, but you're blocking pathways. You're in front of stuff that other people need. You're just not focused on where you're at in space. <laughs> and so right, it's right. just an impediment to everybody else when you're when you're distracted on your phone. So that was you know, and, and hang that it was up something while you shop. That luckily that was something I didn't have to deal with. I worked there in the 80s and into the early 90s, so I didn't have to deal with that that kind of stuff. So. A golden era. Yeah, <laughs> Before everyone ever was, was on their phones all the, the time. <laughs> exactly. If there ever was a golden era, it was then. Okay. All right, what else? You know, there's a lot of uh disagreement on this point, I would say. <clears throat> but Staying on task in the checkout line and not requiring other people to watch your stuff if you forgot something. Oh, Only, you know, because they don't know if you're coming back and they also can't get scanned until your stuff gets scanned. So, right. you know, you might think like, oh, I just need to duck out and get one thing really fast. I'll be right back. But no one else really knows that you're going to get back in any amount of time. And and it's just. You know, if you forgot something, you might just have to go through the line again. Oh. People disagree on this point, but that's really the least assholeish thing to do. Wait, wait, how who would disagree with that? Like, I would never say, "Hey, watch my stuff." I, never in a million years would I want would I impose that upon anyone. Seriously, there are people who disagree with this one. That I don't know. 
at, at, maybe they're not Midwesterners. <laughs> I, I <laughs> you know, guess. Full of that, guess. full of that sense of shame. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, I would never do that. Well, yeah, no, that to me makes sense. Don't leave your shit on the counter or, or on the conveyor belt and leave. Uh, it doesn't make any right. sense. Okay. All right. What else? So this one is something that people might not always think about, but it applies to grocery stores, delis, restaurants, a lot of places. Let the employees go home. You know, if you're about to do it, it's sometimes unavoidable given people's schedules. But if you come in to do your giant biweekly grocery run 10 minutes before the store closes, you are keeping people there who who would otherwise maybe get to go home. And so, you know, you don't they're not going to turn you away. They they want the business. But as a result, people have to stick around and wait for you. So if you can avoid it, don't come right before close. And if you do try to like make it as fast as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I've yeah. got stories about that too. I mean, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's interesting because they're, you know, like I also worked in bars and in bars, you just kick people out. You know what I mean? Oh, <laughs> like right. when you get at last call, <laughs> if we get close to two o'clock, get out. You know what I mean? You take the drinks away from them and you can kick them out. You can't do that at a grocery store. It would be funny if you could turn on some harsher version of light at the grocery store the yeah. way you can at a bar. Right. Or turn the shitty music up really loud and say, hey, this is what you're going to do. Blast them out of there. Blast them out. Okay. Now, the deli stuff. What about some of the deli uh, specifically issues at, uh, at the deli counter? Yeah, delis are um, – the deli counter at the grocery store is kind of its own ecosystem separate from the rest of the grocery store in an interesting way. Um, and so you have to interact directly with someone to get what you want, which is a departure from just grabbing stuff off the shelves. And sometimes people don't take that transition very well. So, you know, be specific about what you need. Don't just say, hey, give me the crack of ham. You know, you tell them how much you need. Right, <laughs> you, know, right, just, right. you don't make it like a riddle that they have to solve, you know. Right, right. And something that people do that actually – I think I think people do this that they're trying to be polite and considerate of the deli worker, but it is unnecessary. The practice of slow rolling your order. Like if you're going to order several things, tell them up front. I'm going to get a few different things just so that they know that they're about to do like a multitask sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and don't let it just rely on the tone of your voice. You know, don't start by saying like, yeah, I'll get some spiral ham and like, you know, doing the upturn in your voice that they're supposed to guess that that means you're going to have more stuff. Right. Just, just tell them right up front. And if you're getting a big order of a lot of stuff, that's helpful to know in advance too. You know, it's funny because uh, um, I know, you know, obviously having worked at uh, Jewel for a long time, I know people who worked in what they use. Do they still call it Chef's Kitchen at Jewel? Is it still called Chef's Kitchen, the deli? Because it used to be oh, called Chef's sure. Kitchen. I, I haven't um, been there in a while. Yeah, I mean, I shop at Jewel all the time, but I guess I don't, I just haven't really made the connection. But when I worked there, the deli department was called Chef's Kitchen. And, uh, and so I knew people who worked there. And yes, the whole like... Um, and they get to the point. It gets to the point where the people who are working the deli at any grocery store or Chef's Kitchen at Jewel immediately. Um, okay, there you go. Here's your half pound of uh, you know of, uh, of ham. Um, anything else? Or what's next? And they just say it out of habit. You know what I mean? Like, okay, next. What's next? What's next? Until you know the person is done. And yeah, it makes me nuts when like you're waiting and you have your ticket in your hand with the number. And you mm-hmm. think that this person, after the 50th thing that they just ordered, you're like, okay, cool, <laughs> yeah. they're done. And then it continues, give me a half pound of potato salad. I'm like, God damn it. You know, like, so yeah, I agree with that. I have, a, I have some extra stuff to order. Yes, say that up front. It'll make everybody happier. Right. And like, you know, it's, uh, 
also be respectful of other people's time in like, you know, if they're off by 0.1 pound or something, don't make them take it off the scale, you know, like just yeah. try to approximate as much as possible. I know yeah. no one likes paying extra, but you know, yeah. just keep it going, <laughs> keep yeah. it moving. I mean, these, these seem like it's just, these seem like, you know, logical things to me. Uh, but of course people need to be told that. <laughs> That's right. It's right. Like, it's, it can never hurt to be reminded. Exactly. It seems like common sense to me. So, um, so a big food holiday, the biggest food holiday of the year is coming up, Marnie. Um, and uh, before we jump into some of the Thanksgiving-centric stuff that you've been covering at The Takeout, and again, take, thetakeout.com, um, what's, what are your plans for Thanksgiving? Are you doing the cooking? Are you going over somewhere? What are you having? All that stuff. Give me a, give me a quick rundown of what's happening in, in, in the Shure household for Thanksgiving. Oh, sure. Um, yeah, so my mom and dad have hosted Thanksgiving um, since before I was born, and they continue to do it. Now, the funny thing is, Big Irish Catholic family. So it's always been a big affair. Yeah. I'm one of 22 first cousins on my mom's side. Oh so, you know, <laughs> it's a, uh, yeah. So Irish like Catholic. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. But, you know, so, so there's a lot of us and there always have been hovering right around like, you know, what, uh, 25 or 30 people. Yeah. As I was getting to be like an older teenager going to college, my mom kind of warned me. She would say, you know, it's so fun having the family all together, but you know, as everybody gets older, they're going to get married, they're going to have their own families, and they're going to go spend Thanksgiving with maybe their spouse's family, or maybe they'll just do their own family Thanksgiving. So, you know, the, the party will get a little smaller. Instead, what has happened is that every year, I mean, in a flattering, in a display of flattery to my mom, surely, because she throws a good party, they've all kept coming with their growing families. <laughs> oh, my God. So each year gets bigger. Right, right. Yeah, right. so every year gets bigger and bigger. And this year, I believe we're standing at 52 adults. Oh, my God. I can't even believe that. I couldn't even – I can't even – that's amazing. Yeah. So it's really uh, – it's going to be interesting. Um, lots of folding tables and folding chairs and buffet style. And we'll see how we handle it. But, wow. um Yeah. Okay. Well, good luck. <laughs> Thank you. And well, what, what, what about you? What are you doing? Now, I just, you know, I'm an only child. It's a complete opposite, Marnie. And my parents are getting up there in age, so we're we're just making a little turkey, and I'm helping out. And it's just a, it's just going to be me and my parents, you know, hanging out. That's great. I mean, Thanksgiving encompasses all of that. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. I mean, we used to have cousins come in and things like that, but now it's just you know, my parents. Are, my dad's 81. My mom is 78. So, uh, you know, my mom still likes to cook. She doesn't move as quick, uh, quickly as she used to, obviously, so I help her out. And, but we're just going to have a simple, small, little teeny turkey and a couple of sides, nothing crazy. Um, but, yeah, Love but it. she used to, like, and there, there was all, I, I'm an only child, so there's never been any other extras, except sometimes we'd have a little family over. But even though it's, it's just the three of us, my mom would always, like, you know, back when she was, like, in her 40s or 50s or even up into her 60s and early 70s, we'd be like, we're going to have a 45-pound turkey. I'm like, Mom, there's three of us. <laughs> <laughs> that's a total mom thing, right? Like yeah. cooking oh, absolutely. for way more take people than are actually there. Yeah, just take it home. Just take it home, you know. So, <laughs> um, All right, well, speaking of uh, Thanksgiving stuff, let's get into some of those things. Uh, you, you, have an, you, you have an article here and a note that you sent me, and you just talked about the green stuff. Can you tell everybody what the green stuff is? Well, I hope a lot of people already know what it is because it's such a funny thing that we've all probably encountered at some point or another on a buffet table somewhere. Um, but yeah, green stuff, also known as Watergate salad. 
Um, it's in the classic vein of like those mid-century jello salads. You'll find it in church cookbooks for sure. But it's really simple, and I think that's part of what people like about it. It is Cool Whip, it is pistachio jello pudding, mini marshmallows, and crushed pineapple. And you truly just mix those together, let it sit in the fridge for a while, and it just kind of coheres into a fluffy mass, and it's delicious. And you can put it on the dinner table or the dessert table. Now, will this be part of the gigantic uh, buffet that's happening at the in the Schur family this week? This will be one of two Jello salads happening in our buffet this week. <laughs> well, what, what was the other one? What's the other one? Well, the other one. Have you had this? Um, it goes by a lot of different names, also, but it's strawberry Jello with a pretzel crust on the bottom. Do you know about this? No, but my God, I would eat the hell out of it. Let me just say. <laughs> yeah, it's it's easy. It's um, you know, it's the red Jello, um, strawberry Jello with um like frozen strawberries that kind of like rehydrate in the jello. And mm. then the crust is made of crushed pretzels and butter and maybe a little sugar all mixed together, pressed into the pan. But then there's a layer in between the two of cool whip and cream cheese and a little more sugar. So there's like a creamy layer between the jello and the crust. So you've got like three textures and it, I think my mom only makes it for me more than anything because I demand it, but oh, it man. is so good. And you can, you, the leftovers last for days. So is the, is the, uh, the article that's at the takeout.com, uh, can people like kind of get a recipe for the strawberry pretzel salad? Is that a, so in case they oh, want to yeah. have it? Because it's, it sounds delicious. Yeah. It, we, we ran it under the very appropriate headline. This strawberry pretzel salad is legally not a salad, but whatever, man. <laughs> <laughs> You know, that's the attitude you need to go into it with. I love going back and looking at those crazy recipes or some of the stuff that uh, that would appear in magazines back like in the 60s and in the 70s. The weird salads, a lot of jello involved, a lot of, you know, vegetable flavored jello and all those weird. I love that those kind of weird dishes are making a comeback and end up on modern day dinner tables across the world, you know. Yeah, people complain about them for being, you know, off-putting or whatever. The texture of Jello kind of like sets some people on edge, but like I don't know, they've they've endured for a reason, and they're really fun. Yeah. Well, what about taffy apple salad? What's 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 that all about? Oh, taffy apple salad is great. Um, <laughs> we are going to be probably publishing a recipe for that one this coming Thanksgiving season. So not yet, but that is like it's got apples and peanuts and. Um, and like, you know, the cream cheesy kind of creaminess to it. It's definitely in the vein of the same mid-century stuff where like, yes, it's too sickly sweet, but that's what we like about it. Like, just admit that you want to eat something that tastes like candy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Some people put like chopped up Snicker bars in there. We tend to stick to the peanuts and the apples. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's delicious any way you slice it. Oh man, uh, all that old school stuff is, is out there from the green stuff to the uh you know the strawberry pretzel salad, the taffy apple salad, it's all in there in the article uh that you can check out at the takeout.com. Now, you mentioned that your your family has an extraordinarily large party that's happening. Um yes. and you also talk about how to avoid mistakes when you are having a big crowd for a holiday or for dinner or you're hosting a big crowd. What are what are some of the pieces of advice and mistakes that you want to avoid? Totally. So our our mistakes have been learned over 35 years of 
hosting gigantic gatherings, but I think that they kind of apply to whatever size gathering you're hosting. Um, one of which, first and foremost, don't mess with success. I think that people feel a lot of pressure to come up with something inventive and new or gorgeous for the table. Um, you know, kind of in that vein of Bon Appetit, New York Times cooking. They they have this beautiful photography and it's sort of aspirational, but ultimately people like what they like and they look forward to the same dishes every year. So it's okay if you just put out the same stuffing every year. You don't have to zhuzh it up with, you know, a new kind of cranberry relish or something if you... Yeah. You know, if, if people really like it, it's okay to just keep serving the same thing. Thanksgiving's like the one time a year no one's expecting innovation. So you don't necessarily have to deliver it, especially because that comes with ads. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's 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 great advice. I mean, and there's a reason why people keep coming back, right? I mean, people like the <laughs> stuff that you keep serving every year, correct? Right. And in fact, sometimes we tried to build a better mousetrap and it's not as delightful because it's not hitting those nostalgia centers in people's brains. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing how that you mentioned nostalgia centers in people's brains. One of my favorite things that my mom uh, makes is a very simple thing. And you'll know what I'm talking about. My mom, um, my, it was my favorite thing that she ever made. And it's just pork chops uh, made with uh, some, uh, some grilled uh, onions and green peppers with, of course, the incredible, the, 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 the versatile, Campbell's cream of mushroom soup sauce. Oh, yes, that sounds and, amazing. And that's what that's my favorite thing that my mom ever makes. And and it's nothing. It, it's a, it's a couple of cans of cream of mushroom soup. She adds a few extra things to it and makes judges it up herself. But it's just fried. It's 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 fried um, uh, pork chops uh, in the cream of mushroom sauce from Campbell's soup. You know, and it simmers for a long time with mashed potatoes and usually corn. And that's it, man. That's my favorite thing ever. And there's nothing special about it. And again, how versatile is the cream of mushroom and the cream of chicken soups from Campbell? They're incredible. And and cream of onion is a lesser known one, but just as versatile. It's like these cream soups do, they're they're little Swiss army knives in the kitchen, especially at the holidays. And you know what? Don't be judgmental about that shit. And, And again... You know, the, the people who are all pretentious, oh, God, oh, my God, you're pulling out a canned... <laughs> like, shut up. Canned canned cream of mushroom soup is a gift from God. Campbell's cram, canned cream of mushroom soup is awesome. I know. And if people talk about the salt content, it's like, I'm sorry, last thing I last time I checked, salt tasted amazing. Like, salty <laughs> yeah. stuff is good. It's fine. It is. it is. You know what? For the holidays, let your blood pressure be a little bit higher. So what? <laughs> That's right. All right. Now, for people who aren't going to do the fancy stuff, who don't have like a ton of people coming over, you actually talk about how you can assemble a pretty good Thanksgiving feast just using using Trader Joe's heat and eat products. Now, this is right up my alley, Marty. So tell me about how you can have a great Thanksgiving feast using just those things. Yeah, well, I think we can all agree that Trader Joe's is pretty awesome. Um, you know, yeah. it's even if it's not your everyday grocery store, it has lots of specialty items that just work really well this time of year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can get, um, especially if you're cooking for a small crowd, they sell a pre-cooked, brined, and seasoned half turkey breast. You know, that that could make sense for all sorts of different people. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's it, you pay more per pound than you would with, like, a regular turkey that you're dressing up yourself. So it's 7.99 a pound. But, you know, that's pretty good if you're if you're looking to make a centerpiece of a holiday feast with it. Yeah. So you can get that um you can get regular versus uh 
you can you can also get a fresh brined turkey uncooked the, like the classic turkey at trader joe's i wasn't aware that they sold those but they do mm. and that's um between 199 and 399 a pound so if you want to go that route like there's options um but then you know they have a heat and eat cornbread stuffing and a sausage stuffing fried rice which is kind of a fun Ooh. spin on something you know you yeah. could use this as an opportunity to like get creative with the meal if you don't want to cook it you can still taste a fresh spin on stuff yeah and um they have holiday vegetable hash um that they sell and they also just have you know 365 days a year they have the cubed prepped vegetables like the sweet potato and squash and that is a godsend whenever you use it because who wants to peel and cube up all those root vegetables themselves you know it's it's it just saves a lot of time and it ends up tasting the same once you season it with everything. So that's all helpful stuff. And then they they even get clever with mashed potatoes. They have a frozen heat and eat product in a big bag. But when you open it, it looks like packing peanuts. It's not like potato flakes. It's frozen uh, like nuggets of mashed potato that you then cook uh, according to the directions and and they become mashed potatoes cool. but it's like yeah it's kind of a cool innovation that i i just haven't seen before because i would use the flakes instead yeah wow that's um, cool yeah. is there anything else that you wanted to mention before because we got a we got a taste test that we're going to do but uh, is what is there anything else in the trader joe's co- world that you wanted to mention pumpkin pie they yeah. make a pumpkin pie if you don't feel like it, and it's pretty good, is what we've been hearing. That it's a pr- a pretty good cl- crowd pleaser. So yeah. there's that. <laughs> Trader Joe's. You can you, you don't have to you don't have to go through a lot of hassle. You might pay a little bit a little bit extra for the turkey, but again, uh, think about the, what what hassle is going to be eliminated just by doing that. And as you mentioned, uh, Trader Joe's. Can I just say this? Trader Joe's. I don't drink anymore, but I used to go there and buy a fifty dollars worth of two buck chuck every week. Um, so, and uh, and I will say this: uh, they are also Trader Joe's has the happiest employees of any uh, company ever. Like you walk they in there, sure and everybody is—they're so happy. Like everybody is so happy in every department, from the front of the store to the back. The happiest uh, uh, the employees ever all work at Trader Joe's. So. And they're the happiest people in the store because sometimes when those lines are really long, the customers are less than happy. Exactly. All right. Well, we like to do the, uh, you know, back when you would come into the studio uh, down at WGN, uh, you would bring in some stuff and we would do some taste testing and stuff. And, uh, well, we're now doing it uh, on the podcast, but virtually you're in your place. I'm in my place. And the last time we did some uh, some interesting uh, uh, sweet, uh, what was it? Smart sweets? Smart uh, sweets, yeah. We did that. Well, you were like, hey, let's do some gummy bear or gummy candy uh, taste test. Mm-hmm. Tell me about what we're going to taste test. I have, uh, I have the two bags in front of me. Uh, explain to everybody what you and I are going to uh, taste test here. Yeah, so Haribo is a brand that people are probably already familiar with. It comes in the gold bag, and the gummy bears are called the gold bears. That is kind of like America's first introduction to gummy bears. So it's yeah. kind of and, the quintessential. And, and uh, just for people who might not know, that's the commercial where the adults have the children's voice, where they talk like kids, <laughs> but with real kids' voices in the commercial. That's right. Yeah. Quite a memorable ad campaign. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now, in recent years, I have been hearing all about Albanese or Albanese. Um, it's this rival product it's called albanese world's best gummy bears and they actually opened a factory um they opened a facility in i believe yeah in merrillville indiana and so 
I drive by it a fair amount and I'm like, I got to try these. Not only that, but in most circles, you know, I, I pay attention to the candy conversation happening sure. on the internet. Yeah. And everybody says that these are better than Haribo, the 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 original type of gummy bear. So I okay. figured it was interesting to let's, kind of taste both and see where we land. Let's do that. I have a, a, a bag here of Haribo, the Fantastic Mix. Ooh. Okay, that's the one I are have. It's bears? the gummy candy. They are they're well, there there's dinosaurs in there and robots. They're all kind of different shapes, and they're all <laughs> kinds fun. of different flavors. So I figured I'd go that route. And then I have the Albanese World's Best uh, Twelve Flavor Gummy Bears Pack, which I guess is the the, the reg- is that is that the one that you have too? Yeah, that's the one I have too. Mm-hmm. And it's Albanese, by the way, for people. It's A L B A N E S E. Albanese World's Best for people who are looking for it. So, what, what should we try the Haribo first? I think so, just because okay. it was the first product. All right, let's tear this open and see what we got. Now, you you and I might have different products here because I, like I said, I have the Fantastic Mix. Do you have a different? <laughs> I have the gold bears. Yours sounds wilder, um, but I think that it'll probably be the same basic gummy. Right. And mine are, some are tricolored. There's like a couple of birds in here. There are, there's fish. There's also a whale and a couple of dinosaurs. So there's all kinds of different characters here. So this is fantastic. Yeah, it's totally fantastic. That's right. All right, well, let's try this. I'll try, I have a, a pink whale that I'm going to try out of the Haribo. So I'll try that. Okay, I have an orange bear. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Classic. They're very, they're very like, yeah. It's it's the it's the gummy bear you think of when you think of gummy bears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very chewy. Classic. Very chewy. Okay. Yeah, hard to bite into. I would say it's very very resilient. <laughs> yeah, they are. They are. I mean, this is a gummy. This is a gummy product that you that really, the word gummy means gummy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. So the Albanese. These are the ones that everybody's talking about. Might be better than Haribo. And these are the world's best. And again, it says gluten-free, fat-free, and low sodium. They look very similar because they're just a little bit... The bears themselves are a little more squat, but otherwise they're pretty identical. Yeah. These are a little... I will say this of the stuff... And they are. They do do look similar. They're a little stickier. Yeah, you're right. They're sticking to my hand more. Yeah. They're a little stickier. Mm -hmm. So let's try the Albanese, the big Albanese. Here we go. Oh. Mmm. Okay, so these are not as tough and springy. They can kind not. of like yield more. Yeah. Hey, hmm. Marnie, I like the. <laughs> yeah, I like I like these a lot. I'm kind of surprised by how much I like this because sometimes gummy bears strike me as a little vanilla, you know, like eh, a gummy bear, whatever. Yeah. But they're kind of fun. They're they're now, fun to eat the way that they. You, you can I've bite tried down on them. A green one, an orange one, a red one, and a. And now I'm chewing on a blue one. They all have different flavors. Man, these are good. Which one has been best so far? The blue one. So I imagine that's blueberry. Wow, Mm. these are really... I got to say. Oh, here's what what the flavors are. Cherry, strawberry, mango, pineapple, lemon, orange, uh, green apple, watermelon, grapefruit, lime, and, uh, and blue raspberry. I guess blue raspberry was the one that I liked the most. Oh, yeah. That one's fun. So, That's so what do you think? Good. What do you think overall? Um, Haribo versus uh, Albanese. I think I would reach for the Albanese. Me too. Yeah, I, I think you know Haribo had its forty years in the sun. I think it's time for me to make a make a change. <laughs> I am telling you right now, I can't stop eating these, Marnie. I love. Yeah, them. I, I just put like six more of them in my mouth without yeah. thinking, like sort of absent-minded. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, 
Uh, out of this taste test, Marty, I think we've crowned a new, a new champion in the world of gummies. Um, and that's Albanese, A-L-B-A-N-E-S-E, Albanese, world's best gummies. Uh, all the flavors are varied. They're very strong. They're really, um, the flavors are strong, and it's not as tough to chew. Man. And the aftertaste is better. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. It's not like you just ate something too, you know, cloying. We got to go to wow. Merrillville. We do. I think we got to go to Merrillville. We can't have chicken when we're in Indiana. Don't remember that. <laughs> yeah, no, no raising canes. Just Albany. No raising Albany. canes. Just Albany. Wow. Albany's is better than Haribo. I don't know if that's sacrilegious, Marnie, but you and I are going to stand by that. Yes, we are. Okay. Listen, have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. Everybody check out thetakeout.com. All the stuff that we talked about is, is all those articles with links and recipes and all kinds of stuff are there. And we'll have you on uh, to talk uh, food again. And of course, uh, it come early February, we'll get you on to talk Mortified more. Okay. Sounds great. Have a good Thanksgiving. All right. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your and the 9,000 members of your family. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> okay. Marnie, thank you so much. Okay. All right. Have a good one. All right. All right take care. There's uh, Marnie Shore. Uh, really terrific. Check out thetakeout.com. You know who else loves food and you know who else likes to do to, uh, the taste test? Well, it's the great, the one, the only, my partner in crime, Esmeralda Leon. Esmeralda. Yeah. Esmeralda Leon. Yeah. Esma. I'm talking about that Esma. Esmeralda Leon. Yeah. Esmeralda. Yeah. There it is. The Esmeralda theme. Hi, Esmeralda Leon. Hi. Hello. How are you? I am doing well. How are you? Oh, good. Wasn't it fun to hear uh, Skaggs perform that live on stage at uh, Zany's? Yes. I mean, it was amazing that he showed up at all. Like yeah. that he decided yeah. I'm going to come for the show and then leave. Right. He showed up <laughs> Thursday morning and he left Friday morning. I'm sorry. What am I talking about? What the fuck am I talking about? Tuesday. He oh, showed, wow. up t- what? showed up. T- I don't know what day. I swear to God, I don't know what day it is. We record on certain days. We did. That was live. And then the drop blood ever. But he came on Tuesday morning and he left on Wednesday morning. Yeah. Uh, just for that. And he performed. Uh, at the Esma theme, he performed "Congratulations." He performed, uh, mm-hmm. I f- uh, you know, the uh, "The Wind Is Right on Me" our our, uh, our theme. He did uh, my dad's joke theme. We got to talk to him, uh, and it was what we're talking about. In case you didn't make it, was uh, Tuesday night. We did our very first, well, our second, because uh, Flashback Convention was where we did our very first live. Oh right, yeah, Nikki yeah, podcast, yeah. but our very first event on our own. Um, and it was at Zanies and Rosemont. It was a Nick D podcast live, and uh, Jason was there. Esmer- Esmeralda was there, and I was there, and our special surprise guest, who was spectacularly entertaining. He was uh, so good. Uh, Tony Fitzpatrick. That guy's gold, man. Just he put, was hilarious. Put a mic in his hand and let him talk. That's why, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, he might piss some people off, but he will certainly make people laugh. Um and of course, he's so talented and such an amazing artist and just a renaissance man, you know, uh, on every level. Just fascinating and funny and awesome. And, um, you know, another one of these people who was so incredibly nice, you know, like I was like, Tony, uh, this is going to be kind of weird, man. Would you be a surprise guest on my pot? And I couldn't even get podcasts on. He went, yep. 
Okay, dude, thank you. It was great, yeah. yeah. So, and my dad, how much did my dad fucking kill? Oh, my kill? God. Did he not kill? I mean, kill? His, your dad did better than both of us, uh, than all absolutely, of us. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely right. And he was so mad because he, he got a little, he was a little nervous when he first got up there. Mm-hmm. And he, he stumbled a little bit, a little bit during the first joke, you know? Um, but he recovered, and, he recovered really quickly. Um, yeah. But, you yeah, know, of he course, did. He did do the little stumble, but honestly, yeah. didn't even no. didn't even affect anything. No. It affected no. nothing. And that joke, the punchline of the first joke is so unexpectedly weird that people were like, what? You know, like when they <laughs> and and but, but my of course, that's all my dad focused on when he got off stage. He's like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I screwed up the first joke. I was nervous. I'm so I, I, I was terrible. I'm like, Dad, did you hear the crowd? Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh. So, but he's like, I'll do better next time. And hey, by the way, I can officially announce this, Esmeralda. Um, starting in January of 20, uh, 2023, uh, the Nick D podcast uh, live will be um, once a month on a Tuesday, every month at Zany's. Awesome. Yeah. I love it. I yeah. love it. That's so, great. We got that to look forward to starting in January. We're going to wait till after the holidays. The mm-hmm. holidays are crazy, yeah, yeah, obviously. yeah. So uh, after the holidays, uh, starting in January, there will be one Tuesday every month where we will be doing the Nick D podcast live. There will be a special guest every month. Jason won't be there every month. Obviously, he's not going to fly in. Unfortunately, yeah. Unfortunately. <laughs> we don't have that but, kind of budget. <laughs> but we will have recordings of Jason's themes that we will play. And uh, mm-hmm. as long as my dad and mom are up for it. Uh, you know, they'll show up and my dad will tell a joke at the end of each one and we'll have special guests and we'll do interactive stuff. And, um, it was so much fun and we had such a nice crowd and everybody was laughing and, um, I love that your parents showed up fashionably late. They showed up late. And then I told my dad, because I told my, here's, here's my dad, my, my mom and dad are are getting older now and they forget things and they mix Mm -hmm. things up a lot. So I have to repeat myself sometimes 500 times for them to understand (laughs) Uh, no, seriously, they are. Yeah, I mean, you know, my dad's 81. My mom is 78, and they forget shit, you know? Um, yeah. But sometimes it tests your patience, especially as an only child. And so <laughs> I called them to say, okay, look, because my parents notoriously show up like an hour and a half early for everything. Really? They do. And they this show time, up. Wait, oh. No, 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 but here's why they showed up late, Esmeralda. And this, this what year, happened? Because I called them and I said, okay, look, here's the deal. I want you to know that you have a reserved table. Because the tables weren't reserved. People would come in and sit mm-hmm. where they wanted to sit. And yeah. I know a lot of people wanted to, you know, some people wanted to get close to the stage and whatever. And so I, I you know, I was like, look, my, my parents are coming. I told uh, the, the GM at Zany's. I was like, my parents mm-hmm. are coming. Um, you know, can we make sure that we get a table right next to the stage? Because my dad's 81 and I don't want to walk, have him walk all the way from a table. I want him to be as close to the stage as possible to get him up on the right. stage. As easy yeah. as he's easy 81. And of course, they're like, yes, of course, we will put the table. These tables will be, assi- you know, reserved for your folks. Because I was like, they're coming mm-hmm. with, with one person, so they need a table for three. And so when I, when I got there, I saw that they had the reserve. You saw them. You, the reserve yeah. signs were, mm-hmm. they were, they were staged. They were staged left, house right. Um, they were the tables closest to the stage. Uh, how, you know, so they were like, they you know, stage left. And so... Um, so I walk out to do the, I walk out to the, to the intro to, to say hello to everybody. And I look stage left and nobody's at those tables. And I'm like, holy shit, where am I? So then I start worrying. I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, did they get into an accident? Cause it was shitty weather. You know, it was bad yeah. weather Tuesday night. And I'm like, oh my God, did they get into an accident? What's going on? And so you can hear it in the, in the video uh, or the audio. I'm like, oh, are my, my parents didn't show up. And they're like, oh, they're here. They're, they're walking in. And they were kind of walking in the back. So here. And so I tell my parents, I'm like, why were you late? Cause you guys are early all the time. And my dad said, you told me not to come before 7.30. 
And I said, no. <laughs> no, I didn't. I said, I said, you don't have to show up really, really early. The show starts at 730 because you have a table. So you don't have to get there. No, early. see, you just got to tell them when to show up. I know. I, you know you what? You got to just say, this time, show well, up. But, but I did. <laughs> And my dad mistakenly, I said, don't get there before 6.30. See, but I no, said. no, no. You can't, you can't throw those in. You can't throw yeah. those in. You All just right. got to be straight into the right. point next time. Just be like, I know. be and here at such and such time, yeah. done. That's it. Well, I didn't. I said, don't get there before 6.30. And he thought I said, don't get there before 7.30. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he's you like, can't, because then they'll be like, but you said. It's like, that's, oh, But that's okay, what my dad no. said. He's like, he said, you, you said you, we didn't, you didn't want us there early. So we waited. We didn't get there until after 7.30. I'm like, no, okay, okay forget it. So, that, so basically it was my <laughs> fault that they showed up late. All right? Yeah. But anyway, yep, so, but it was funny. Much, yes. I will, and I also love the fact that my mom, my, you didn't see this because you were in the green room. This is before you came out. My mom brought up the like mail for me. Like right. <laughs> nice. I'm trying to do the show. She walks up on stage basically with her coat and her earmuff or in her earmuffs on and gives me oh an Amazon gosh. package that showed up at their house. And I'm like, you know, I'm oh, doing I a show. It. I said, you know, I'm doing a show right now. Like this is a show. She's like, here, oh like, give, I'm like, you're giving me my mail <laughs> while I'm on stage doing a show. Oh, oh that's so good. And it was oh, fantastic. that's I mean, such a was, mom thing. I love oh, it. I love and it, was, it. And of course, it in, the audience found it so endearing and ridiculous. <laughs> and my mom still with her, you know, because, you know, like, if it gets below 40, my mom is freezing. So she's got right. like, she yes. had like, like, uh, you know, she had the mask on and the earmuffs and the gloves and mittens. And she's like, here you go. And she's giving me my package. I'm like, ma. <laughs> The show has started. I don't know. I if mean, you knew I've been this. on stage for five minutes. You guys are late. You're disrupting my show. I thought I'd have to deal with hecklers. I got to deal with my parents. I, oh my gosh! I what? love. Yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, they've come in fashionably late. Yeah, ridiculous. <laughs> so, but anyway, um, the whole night was great, and uh, you know, my dad oh, killed with so his fun. jokes, and Tony was so great. And you and I had so much fun, and we did a taste test, and everybody had a blast. We had a lot yeah. of fun with like taste testing stuff, and. People um, wanted those. People took the the turkey sodas. I'm assuming to the, prank friends. Right. Yes, they took. <laughs> they the turkey themselves and gravy. did not want to try it. And you know, it was so much fun. Like right in the front row, there was a couple that had no idea who we were and had never heard the podcast. And, that was amazing. And they were so because I mocked them. You know what I mean? But they they were so mm-hmm. funny and. You know, they participated in everything. The the girl was the first one to try the mac and cheese candy cane, if you remember. Yeah, and the and the guy ready. and the guy told that great story about putting a hot spoon on his yes, tongue. No, that was insane. It was and so like not only not only did they have fun and even though they had no idea who we were and they just kind of walked into Zanies, but mm-hmm. not only did they have fun, but they participated. The story he told was great. Her reaction to the candy cane added to the show. And afterwards, the guy came up to me and he's like, this is great. I am subscribing to your podcast. And I was like, boom. You know? Nice. You know? I love so, it. Yeah I, yeah, I talked to him a little bit, too. And he's like, we had so much fun. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I was just like, oh. I, he, was the, he was a great audience member. Absolutely. Considering he had no, he had no idea. Yeah. They had right. no idea what we and, were doing. And, and no, I had no idea. And, of course, like right out of the gate, I'm going to make fun of that. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing here? You know? And he was, right, <laughs> he was right with it the whole time, and it was great. And everybody was on board. And Jesus Christ, the, the, the high school crush of my life was in the front row. I, that cracked me up. Oh and then you just saying how much you loved her. I, 
Esmeralda. Used to love her. I loved her so much. And her friend Chris was with her. It was Laura and Chris. And, and how this happened was because, you know, the, we got lights in your face. You, you can't really see out mm-hmm. to the audience very well. You can kind of see the people, like, near, especially on the sides. Mm-hmm. But they're not real easy to see. And I hadn't really looked out there. And we were, you know how it happened, Esmeralda? Because the first trivia question was, who is Esmeralda's uh, celebrity crush? Mm. And people were just guessing, you know? And she's the one, Chris, who I went to high school with, she raised her hand and said, The Rock. She's the one who said, The Rock. And then I went, The Rock. And then I looked at her after she said that, and I was like, Jesus Christ, that looks like Chris Lacona, who I went to high school with. (laughs) And then I looked next to her, and I'm like, Oh my God, that's Laura Franzen. And I was like, are, did I go to high school with you guys? And then, like, that's when I discovered, like, right in, that, right in that moment, like 15 minutes into the podcast, suddenly Chris and Laura that I went to high school with were sitting there. Chris was class of 82. Laura and I were class of 83, so Chris is a mm-hmm. year older. Chris was a year older. And I went, we, at class of 83, her sister Kim, her younger sister, I went to, she was class of 83. So I knew Kim and Chris. But there is Laura Franzen sitting next to her, and my God, Esmeralda, this was the girl of my dreams in high school. I Yeah, well, clearly you said <laughs> you said yeah. many a time on the podcast right at her face. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, well, the thing is like it was it was one of those things it was it was not well hidden when I was in high school and she knew it. Mm-hmm. You know, like she had a boyfriend and I had a girlfriend, but there was like this I was I was her escort for as homecoming for the homecoming queen thing. Oh. I was how... her escort. But well, like that they was assigned be- you to her. No, or you no, she asked her to go. I was, I, no, she asked me, and so oh, she asked you. She did, but the thing is, the only reason I got asked was because her boyfriend didn't go to the same high school we did. This was mm. like you had to be, but they had, still, like, yeah. So you knew each other, like you we, two we were, were like, oh no, we, we were hung friends. Out and oh like, yeah, oh, okay, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Oh it my was, goodness. Look, let me let me explain something to you. Laura knew it, okay, and everybody in the fucking high. Teachers knew it. Janitors knew it. <laughs> no, that's so I mean, uh, that I loved her. I mean, it was not, I did not hide it oh, at wow. all. I was not very good at hiding my feelings. I was in love with Laura Franzen and anybody who went to high school with me at Luther North the year, between 1979 and 1983 knew that for those entire four years, I was in mm-hmm. love with Laura. Oh, and boy. she knew it. We, you know, we didn't talk about it much, but it was like a thing. We knew it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, and again, you know, I was dating my 22 year old. Uh, you know, manager yes. from McDonald's yes. and, and Laura had a boyfriend, you know what I mean? And she went to prom with that guy and I went to prom with my 22 year old girlfriend <laughs> and you know, and it was, you know, it was, but it was known and Laura and I always connected as friends, obviously, but right. You know, and, and we both really liked each other a lot. I don't know whether or not we would, would have gotten together, you know, if circumstances were different. I um, mean, clearly. Yeah. Because, if you really, you know, if oh, you I, really like someone, you can make it happen. You know what I mean? Yeah, like on yeah, her yeah. end, she I, totally could have dumped whoever yeah, well, that she dude was. Or... She didn't, and I, could, I, to, <laughs> I totally, could, I, I totally could have dumped the twenty-two-year-old and whatever. But, but yeah, you know, she didn't. But I think, I think I liked her more than she liked me in that regard. You know? Yeah. Which, which was the case yeah. with most women, you know, <laughs> when I was younger. Uh, but anyway, I but, think, uh, yeah, she but, probably but, was flattered, but it's, yeah. And then, so no. I just made, I mean, I really 
I talked about it a lot Tuesday night, you know, and I didn't embarrass. I talked to her afterwards, you know, I got to talk, which was really lovely because I got to talk to Chris. Yeah, I saw the pictures. They looked quite nice. And we got to talk and we were reminiscing a little bit and, you know, they they were like, okay, we won't, because there were a lot of people who wanted to take pictures and shit. And so, uh, Mm -hmm. but we're going to try and get together and have some dinner or something sometime. Uh, But it was really. Oh, how nice. And I hadn't seen her since one of the high school reunions years ago. That was the last time I saw Mm -hmm. Laura. Um, Oh, wow. But yeah. Wow. So this is. It was. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I I'm Did guessing. You ask her like, why? Like, well, why are you here? <laughs> well, they no, they they we're, we're friends on Facebook and uh, mm-hmm. you know social. So media. it was like a let's go. Yeah, let's do and this. and Laura and Laura and I. It's not like we, we the first time we saw each other face to face, but we have communicated via social media a few times. You know, like yeah. she, like she was like, hey, congratulations on you know what's happening on this radio, and and I would say, hey, congratulations on your kids and that kind of stuff. You know, mm-hmm. but it was the first time we were in the same room together or talked face to face since a high school reunion. So. Okay. And then, of course, like, I, and she was really like afterwards. I'm like, I'm really sorry if I, ma- you know, I made a bit out of it. She's like, No, I totally understand. <laughs> it was funny. I said, Were you uncomfortable? Did I embarrass you? She's like, No, it was very funny. And and it wasn't creepy. I didn't want to make it creepy. And she and she's like, No, it wasn't creepy. It totally was funny, and the audience loved it. So. Yeah, it was anyway. great. Yeah. Anyway, I love everyone. I hope had a good time. It they, sounded as far as like I know, people had a good time. So, and yeah, as end, far as you, we know, <laughs> as far as I know, and at the end, I was like, "If we do this again, will you come?" And everybody went nuts. And every single person, and we talked to a lot of people afterwards and took pictures and stuff afterwards. Yeah. Every single person said that they would come back. So, uh, so you can now. And and we will you, hold you against it. So if that's you're listening, the, that's right. We will come find you. We'll we come have to your, your information. We'll come to your. We'll come to your house that. and entertain you there. You'll have to kick us. <laughs> out. Oh wow! I was but, just threatening. No, but. no, no. <laughs> but 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 uh, for people who missed it, and a lot of people have sent me, you know, notices and said, "Damn it!" You know, and 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 after we posted the episode, which by the way is episode eighty nine, the one right before this one, mm-hmm. is the full live Nick D podcast event from Zanies from top to bottom. Uh, you won't miss any of it. So, but if you want to come out, to, we're doing it every month. Uh, we'll be doing it once a month. I just okayed it. I just got off the phone with the GM from Zanies and Rosemont, and it's going to be once a month on a Tuesday, starting in January. Nice. So, so yeah, there is really no excuse. There is absolutely no excuse. Everybody who is listening to this right now, we expect you every Tuesday that we do this. It'll be one Tuesday per month, starting in January at Zanies and Rosemont. So, um. I do have a couple of uh, emails really quickly. Hi, Nick. Hi, Esmeralda. Yeah. Katie says, this is from Katie, thank you so much for a great live podcast show tonight. This was like right after the show she sent this. Aww. It was wonderful to see you in person, uh, you and Jason, Tony, Esmeralda, and your dad. Oh, my God. Um, you put on a great <laughs> show. So many laughs. So many smiles. Thank you for your talent, your skill, your hard work with us tonight and every week. Uh, and I hope you guys all felt the love and appreciation we gave you. And that's from Katie. Oh, that's sweet. so sweet. Uh, Tom Appel, our car guy, he was there. Did yeah, that Tom? was great. I don't think I had ever met him. He was there with his in wife. Person. Yeah. And uh, his wife loves Tony Fitzpatrick and was beyond <laughs> thrilled. Got a picture with Tony and all that stuff. Nice. And Tom came up to me and he's like, dude, it was great. They laughed. And he said... Biggest night of my life because the guy sitting next to me recognized my voice and said, hey, you're the car guy. Oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> he yeah. said that's never happened to me before. Um, I got an email, lovely email from Miles Horton. Miles is um, uh, Jen Bosworth Ramirez's uh, husband. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And you know Jen, obviously. Yeah. Um, and he says, Nick, I really, I hope you're well. Congratulations and thank you for the great show. They live in L.A., so that's an excuse. That's an excuse. Yeah. Also. 
He's got, um, they gotta come. They gotta come out and, yeah. and visit. Hey, listen. If 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 Skaggs can come out for one night from Houston, right? You know, come on. Exactly. <laughs> says congratulations <laughs> and thank you for a great show at Zany's because he listened to the podcast and he, he just mm-hmm. listened to the podcast and he says uh, the other guys is the comedy that Jen and I agree on so much it slays us. We mentioned that when we were talking about Will Ferrell movies. Yeah, that movie. Oh wow. Me it's and so it, underrated. It's 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 Will Ferrell and, and Mark Wahlberg. It's by far my favorite Will Ferrell movie. And Mark Wahlberg, and I know you're not crazy about him. Um, that's easily the funniest and maybe the best performance he's ever given. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, totally agree. <laughs> Completely agree. Yeah. So he mentions some. And I recently says, saw. I recently saw. Uh, dang it! What's that movie with the trees? The happening. Yes. <laughs> oh. oh. God, that was so- M night Shyam- oh. M night Shyamalan ding dong yeah. I was so angry at Colin that he made me watch that. I was like, why did I want? Why? Why did he want? It's a piece of shit. Why are you watching that? I don't know. So anyway, uh, uh, Miles mentions because we talk about the other guys on the podcast, uh, and then mm-hmm. he says, "God, I love the Jason Skaggs interview." So this is an interview that was about four episodes ago where I interviewed Jason Skaggs, our audio guy, our theme guy, our mm-hmm. music guy. And he loved that episode. If you've not listened to that episode, you should, because Skaggs is a very fascinating dude. And he says, be well. Congratulations on everything. Uh, and that's from Miles Horton, Jen's husband. Cool. So, yeah. Uh, and, oh, it's not like we uh, – wait, wait, wait a minute. I forgot. Oh. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and hi, I love oh, hi, Nick's Carrie. show. Oh, she's giving me a note. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I oh. love Nick's show. Sorry, I couldn't make it Tuesday. I was sweeping up the porch. Oh, okay. Thank you, Carrie. <laughs> yeah, Carrie no, that's Russell, yeah. I, I could see that. I could take up the time. <laughs> no, no you one's un- holding it against you, Carrie. By the way, you understand that Carrie Russell will never fucking do this podcast ever. <laughs> no. <laughs> She's gonna find out that. <laughs> oh no! That yeah, she no. lives. She lives on my dirty no. back porch. In uh, who knows? The, maybe she's maybe, yeah. maybe she's got quite a sense of humor. Uh, we don't know. By the way, Let's I not do give up say hope. This. Can I quickly, <laughs> Esmeralda? I have to tell you this. So I saw a movie. You know, I, be, I, I get to see movies ahead of time. So there's this movie coming out mm-hmm. in a couple of weeks, and it's called Spoiler Alert, and it stars mm-hmm. uh, uh, Jim Parsons from uh, The Big Bang Theory. Yes, and it's a sort of a, it's a love story about a TV uh, guy who covers television. Uh, it's a true story about a guy who covers television uh, falls in love with a, with a guy. They have a romance, and then the guy is diagnosed with cancer, and it becomes this sad story. Oh no! But in the movie, the mm-hmm. opening scene of the movie, the main character that Jim Parsons plays is in a meeting with his bosses at TV Guide, and it takes place in two thousand. The first part of the movie takes place in two thousand two, mm-hmm. and he says. Uh, what are you writing about? And he's pitching ideas to the editor of TV Guide. And he says, well, I want to write about, uh, I, I have an idea about who are your favorite characters on the Gilmore Girls? And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me right now? And he's like, yeah, Gilmore Girls. Uh, and I, I, from, from everybody to number, number, from the worst to Rory. And the editor's like, who's Rory? And he's like, uh, Rory's one of the Gilmore Girls. Uh, okay, I, I don't know. That doesn't sound interesting to me. So the editor is shooting down his idea. So then later, the movie goes on, about 20 minutes later, the first date that he has with the guy that he eventually falls in love with, the guy that the movie's about, mm-hmm. um, they, they discuss Felicity. They start talking about Felicity. <laughs> um, and, I, and like, you know, oh, he, he wow. was talking about his favorite show, you know, like Jim Parsons, who, by the way, I hate because he's on the 
the Big Bang Theory. Yeah, that's not a good show. So but yeah. I loved him in this because he's like he talks about Felicity and how much his character loves Felicity. <laughs> and and then there is a a major moment in the final scene of the movie that's a callback to Felicity. I almost oh, wow. shit myself. Is I this like how they? I think myself. they knew all this, so they're like they're they're trying to get you. Well, I mean, they're yeah. The Nick I mean, contingency. I, I don't. I don't understand. I really don't. And and, and the uh, Nick DeGilio contingency. Russell, and I love Nick's show. <laughs> Carrie, you got to see the movie. Spoiler alert. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell. Yes, you have to see I it. Love Nick's show. So anyway, <laughs> all right. Um, okay. So we were talking about. Um, oh wait, I, here's another that we. I want. I always want to get this one in too. Okay. <laughs> yes. That's become our, that's been, I think, the best one ever. I think. Yeah. Oh, no, man. that's my favorite. Ah! All right. Although today, although today I will say I almost, I was walking down the street in my snow boots and I like walked into kind of a, not a hole, but like just a little lower than the sidewalk. Yeah. And I almost, I almost broke my ass. <laughs> Oh, wait a minute. I think I broke my ass. Yeah? I think I broke my ass. You almost broke your ass? I regained. Yeah, I regained uh, composure, but I was like, as I walked away, I was like, oh, I almost broke my ass. There you go. I think I broke my ass. Yeah, all right. Even I'm doing callbacks in my own life of the show. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, hey, by the way, Thanksgiving is uh, coming up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I talked a little bit about that with Marnie, Marnie Sure. We talked about mm-hmm. uh, big Thanksgiving. Oh yeah, dinners. how were? What did you? Um, oh, we yeah, had yeah. the gum. We had the gummy bears. The uh, uh, Albanese Albanese uh, gummy bears, and they're better mm-hmm. than the uh, Haribo. I mean, oh like, much better. Like, I'm not kidding. Oh, boy. I'm not kidding. Like, much better. That sounds like fighting words for some no, people, I'm sure. I know, but I'm telling you. I'm telling not you. Not me. Well. I embrace all candy. I know you do. <laughs> and but speaking of which, and, and again, I want to send out a thank you to um, Deanna, our wonderful listener. Deanna is yes. a lovely, lovely woman. She's great. She sends me care packages, and every Christmas she buys me a bunch of crazy, awesome shit. And I love her, and she loves me, and we're all, like, hanging out. She came out to Flashback. She doesn't even live in Illinois anymore. And she drove up from South Carolina to come to see us at Flashback. She couldn't make it to Zany's. But she always sends us stuff. And she sent us a bag of, straight from Japan, Shogun candy and snacks. Yeah. I'm excited to try those. I'm excited, we're gonna, we're, I'm excited to do a, a taste testing with that with you. We're going to do that. I got a package. We got two packages. I, the second one I don't have mm-hmm. with me right now. My mom will have to deliver it to me. on. She did, this is what she delivered to me on stage, by the way, is what I'm holding. <laughs> um, <We'll> just, <laughs> I hope at every show she does that. She just brings something Just shows different. up like and delivers something. Next time it's like leftovers and Tupperware yeah. containers. That right. You were... <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, um, But anyway, so she, she, Deanna sent us a bag full of Shogun Japanese happy snacks, and we are going to eat the shit out of some Japanese mm. snacks, mm-hmm. right? So we'll do that. Yes. Why don't we do that on the uh, on the next uh, the next uh, podcast that we do? The next, yeah, one. for sure. We'll, and we'll there's do... plenty in there, so we can a we ton. Can, yeah, this will this will go this will go for a while. <laughs> so we got that coming up. Yeah, uh, and also Deanna made a uh, a request for our, our magic megaphone message. 
Oh. And again, I know that you love the fact that people are actually responding to this. I love it. I love that people have, and then they're taking, it's, they're, they're doing ridiculous things with it. I love right. it. So the idea is <laughs> I got this megaphone from Jason Skaggs and, uh, and we've made a bit out of it. It was like, Hey, if you want a message that I can speak to weirdly into the megaphone and I can play it back in the magic megaphone, whatever message you want. You can let me know what you want me to say into the megaphone, and we'll play it back for you. It'll be a personalized magic megaphone message just for you. Mm-hmm. So if you want to leave that, you can email me with your directions, what I should say. Email me, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Say megaphone message, and I'll say whatever you want me to say, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can leave us a voicemail, and the voicemail message systems are open 24-7, 773-417-6948. So uh, Deanna made a special request. Are you ready for her megaphone message? Yes. Okay. And I'll explain it afterwards, but it might not need explanation, but, but this is what she wanted as her megaphone message. This is our lovely friend Deanna wanted this. I'm incarcerated, Lloyd! I'm incarcerated, Lloyd! You? I'm incarcerated, Lloyd! So, um... I'm incarcerated, Lloyd! Yeah, so... I'm all right, all right. Um, I am not familiar. I'm... I'm okay. I want to say Home Alone because it's, that's the only Lloyd I can think it's of. It's not Home Alone. <laughs> it is a my favorite line and Deanna's favorite line from the movie Say Anything. Oh, oh right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That and guy's name is Lloyd. It's <laughs> Lloyd Dobler. That's John Cusack's <laughs> name, and there's name. Lloyd Dobler. And uh, John Mahoney, the late, great John Mahoney, says that line. When uh, he gets he gets thrown in jail for tax fraud and tax evasion. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the movie, Cusack goes to visit him in prison to give him a note from his daughter played by Ioni Skye. And and at the moment in the movie, he's like, how you doing, sir? And Mahoney says, I'm incarcerated, Lloyd, which is my favorite line, (laughs) like literally one of my favorite lines in film history. And my definitely my favorite line in that movie and maybe my favorite line that John Mahoney has ever said. And, it's, and that's where it comes from. It comes from uh, Say Anything. And so, I'm incarcerated, Lloyd! That's what she wanted to hear. I'm incarcerated, <laughs> Lloyd! So, but uh, and the, reason why, it, the reason why it became like a thing is because, and I've told this story before, and I'll tell it really quickly. Um, you know, obviously John Mahoney from Chicago. Well, born in England, but mm-hmm. from Chicago. And spent yeah. a, a ton of time acting on stage here. Uh, definitely at Steppenwolf. He was a member at Steppenwolf. And you, you know him from tons of movies and, of course, from Frasier. I mean, Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. he's a legend mm-hmm. on Frasier. He was, in, he was in Primal Fear. He Yes, exactly. He's in Primal Fear <laughs> with Edward Norton and Tony Fitzpatrick. And Tony yeah. Fitzpatrick. So, and, I, and, you know, I met John Mahoney a couple of times briefly at the radio station, you know, through being at the radio station, through Roy Leonard and stuff. Um, but he didn't really know me, you know. But nice guy. Everybody who's ever worked with him. I've had people who have... Worked with him at Steppenwolf. I have uh, my friend Val was a stage manager on three shows that he did. Not only was he not a diva, but he did the work. He was great, a terrific actor, and acknowledged mm-hmm. the crew. Because nice. a, a lot of actors, especially people from Hollywood or big hotshots, they don't give a fuck about the crew, or especially a stage manager. They don't care about that shit. Yeah. But Mahoney was nice to every single person, whether it be somebody hanging a light or somebody bringing on a... Uh, you know, a prop, whatever. Incredibly nice guy to every single person he ever worked with on stage. So one night I'm at uh, uh, O'Rourke's, and O'Rourke's was this pub that was across the street from Steppenwolf on Halstead. 
And I was in there with a bunch of friends. That was a regular, that was one of my favorite uh, bars ever in the history of bars. I love the original uh, O'Rourke's, which was on Orleans right near Second City. It was on uh, Orleans and Wells. And um, then it moved to Halstead in the late 80s, early 90s and reopened there. And it was across mm-hmm. from Steppenwolf. So we were there, and I'm and with my friends. And I'm, I've had a few. Esmeralda, you know in the past I was, I was prone to drinking. <laughs> yes, I've, I've heard. I was told. <laughs> so uh, I was a little, I'd had a bunch. And, I, and O'Rourke's was like my favorite place. And it was a great place to just hang out and get loaded. And it's an Irish pub, so I drank a lot of whiskey and I drank a lot of Guinness. And it was that kind of thing. And there's, you know, there's pictures of like James Joyce on the, and on the wall. And okay, you know, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's like that kind of place. Mm-hmm. And it was a big popular place for theater goers and people who worked at Steppenwolf. Like after a show, they would come in. So Mahoney comes in one night, and I see him walk in. I'm like, oh, fuck, John Mahoney's here. And he goes, and he sits <laughs> at the end of the bar with a bunch of friends. And, and all, all of us, we look over, and everybody recognizes him, but nobody is being a dick or anything to it because it's like it's O'Rourke's. So you don't walk up to people like that, you know? Right. And by the way, that was Lloyd Dobler, uh, John Cusack's favorite bar, too. <laughs> so <laughs> I used, that's where I, got to, that's where I look, first started hanging out at that bar. John, lived right down, John and Jeremy Piven lived right down the street. And that was the yeah. bar that we drank at all the time when I hung out with those guys. Oh, look at that. So I'm drinking, and I've had a few. So I'm like, we're there. Like I have 45 minutes go by, and, and, and Mahoney's up at the bar having a drink. And I, and I go, fuck it. I'm going to go up and talk to him. <laughs> and my friends are like, oh, shit. Uh, some of them weren't because they were drunk, too. They're like, yeah, go ahead and talk yeah. to him. He'll be happy it's to like, talk to you. Yeah, go ahead, man. He's your friend. And I'm like, yeah. So I walk up to him, and he looks at me, and uh, hey. And, uh, and, and I shake his hand. And, and I said, yeah, I'm a big fan. And I shake his hand. And then I, I'm holding onto his hand, and I get a little close to his face, and I go, I'm incarcerated, Lloyd! Right to his face. <laughs> and and oh, have you not heard this? Have you not heard this story? I've, I think I have, but it's still, it's and I gra- wow. So I grab him, mm. and I go, I'm incarcerated, Lloyd! And then I let go of his hand, and he, I turn and start walking away. That's all I say to him. I turn, I start, <laughs> and he... Luckily, he busts out laughing. Now, I don't know if you remember what a distinctive laugh Mahoney has because yeah. he has a very yeah, he's, yeah. Ah, ah, ah. he's got a he had a very distinctive laugh. They showcased it in Frasier, uh, in Say Anything. Uh, he had a very distinctive laugh, and and I mm-hmm. hear it, and he starts laughing, and the bartender starts laughing. I'm like, okay, good. I mean, even as drunk as I was, I was like, good. I didn't make a complete fucking ass out of myself. He laughed. So I sit down, and the next thing I know, we have a round brought to us by John. So he, he oh. bought us a round. And it was really cool. And then, like, when we walked out, he was still there when we walked out. I said goodnight, and he, and he said goodnight. So, so then, and this is the capper on the, on the, on the, on the story. There's an actual capper, mm-hmm. Esmeralda. I don't know if you're ready for this. But <laughs> it's not just me being drunk, screaming, I'm incarcerated. I mean, or, you know, I, would, I was thinking it was going to no, end there, and that was no, that. No, but and it's, <laughs> it wasn't just me doing this. You know, like right in his face. Um, I, you know, like, I don't know, a few, a, few, a few years later, an Entertainment Weekly comes out, and it's celebrating the 25th anniversary of Say Anything, mm-hmm. which, you know, has since become a classic and one of everybody's favorite John Cusack movies. And it is one of mine. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great film. Yeah, of course. Uh, I love it. I, it's one of my favorite movies. And, um, and so they had like a... Um, Interviews with everybody. Where what, what do they call that? Um, where it's like, uh, you know, they'll say John Cusack, and then he says something, and then 
Ioni Sky, and then she says something. You know what I mean? Like, like um, a, testimonial like, kind of. Oh, okay. okay. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it was yeah, written yeah. first person, blah, blah, blah. And so they asked Mahoney if he had any great memories about Say Anything. And one of the stories he told in Entertainment Weekly was, I was at this bar in Chicago called O'Rourke's one night. And a drunk guy came up to me and he just screamed, I'm incarcerated, Lloyd, in my face. Um, And he goes... And I lost my mind, and he goes, that's my favorite memory oh, attached wow. to Say Anything. Wow. Wow. And I was, and I, Were you carrying that, that article around and be like, ah, that was me, well, the drunk the guy? <laughs> I, Asma, I'm not joking you. Like I, as I was reading it, I'm like, hey, and nobody was in the room. I was reading it by myself, and I'm like, hey, that's me. I was the drunk guy. I was the drunk asshole who screamed, I'm incarcerated, Lloyd, into his face. <laughs> And so I, I, you know, this was, um, you know, so Williams was doing uh, afternoons. John Williams was doing afternoons, and I think he's still doing afternoons or some shit. He's on the, he's on the shithole anyway. I don't know what right. time he's on, but he's on. He's still there, uh, unfortunately. But anyway, so um, I told everybody. I was like, hey man, look, and I would bring the thing out. And my friends who were there, by the way, my friend Scott Oaken was there. My friend Dan was there. And this you is would all meet true. Strangers, and you'd be I would, like, hi, how you doing? And so Did I would, you know. <laughs> And I showed it to my friends. I'm like, look at this. And they're like, holy fuck, that's you. That was you. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. And he goes, I was there. And my friends were like, I was there. And oh, my God, he talked about it 25 years, you know, you know, like after the making of the movie and blah, blah, blah. And so I told John Williams about it. So Williams had me on his show uh, to tell the story. <laughs> and I'm like, the drunk guy. I'm the drunk guy that John Mahoney mentions as his oh. favorite memory. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, Yeah. That's where that's where it all came from. Uh, I'm looking at a at a list of just th- facts about him, and I didn't know that he he had an accent for a minute. He's British, British, yeah, yeah. No. He's he, he didn't yeah. come here until he was a young man, so yeah, he exactly. had an accent. Although he yeah. said that he tried really hard to lose it. So the fact that we, I would, you couldn't have told me that he had an no, accent. No, he ever. was. Yeah, no, he's British, British. John Mahoney's British, yeah. and 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 spent uh, I think his entire childhood. You know, to, into like late teens, early twenties, um, and I guess if you live in Chicago long enough, fuck every accent, you're going to be Chicago. You know what I mean? I think that's what right. And he, well, he just in general, he he said he worked hard. He yeah, he people would tell him that yeah, there's no trace of your accent anymore, and he's like, yeah, because I worked really hard to get rid of he it. He did, he did, and and it was funny because like he actually, and here's another thing, I don't know if that the part of the facts is that John Mahoney. Um, did not start professionally acting until he was in his 40s. Like, he did not, like, he didn't... Yeah, uh, until he was 37. Yeah. I mean, that, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's, you look at that, and he really didn't hit it. I mean, he started acting when he was 37, but he didn't hit the big yeah. time in movies. He didn't get Frasier until he was in his 50s. Yeah. You know? And yeah, so, so anybody yeah. who, you know, yeah. you think you, you can't make it. Yep. <laughs> and a lovely man. He was teaching. A, yeah. He apparently, he spent years yep. teaching at Western Illinois University. I don't yep. know. Yep. Yep, that's crazy to me. Yep. It's an amazing. story. And then story. he's just like, "I'm going to be an actor." <laughs> one of my, he's seriously one of my favorite actors and one of my favorite people ever, John Mahoney. And mm-hmm. and I got to say, and on, and just on a selfish level, I am delighted that I was responsible for a memory that he loved. I got to say, I, I yeah, just, I mean that's great. That's it's amazing great to have, and and especially because I was just a shit faced idiot. You know what I mean? Like I was just yeah. <laughs> just, I'm drunk. I'm going to go scream. I'm incarcerated, Lloyd, in John Mahoney's face. So. <laughs> 
But anyway, so that's what De- that's what Deanna wanted to hear. She wanted to hear. Uh, nice. I- I'm incarcerated, Lloyd. So there you go. <laughs> I don't know. All right. Well, is and I, do you remember? So was did, did you your first memories of? John, let's just we're running out of time here. Let's just end it by talking about John Mahoney. Um, yeah. Do you remember the first time you saw, was Mahoney, like a, was a Frasier the first time you really noticed John? Probably. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure I had seen a movie that he was in. Well, you saw Primal And just because he always played, well, yeah, but then that, you know, I had seen Frasier before. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, Primal Fear was, by that time, <laughs> Frasier was already, yeah, by that time, Frasier was already on. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I mean, I want to say that was probably the big, that's where I knew this is John Mahoney, and then. I would see him in other things and be like, oh, that guy. And then realize that he had his start and he would still do things here at Chicago and Steppenwolf. And I think that's really great. And that's apparently that's one of the reasons why he got rid of the accent, because he didn't want to seem uh, upper class or or posh. Yeah. Like, wow, look at you. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) No, And, you know, uh, I had met him a couple of times. He came in and, uh, you know, a couple of times. to be interviewed by Roy, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and I have to say this, you know, I, I participated in one of the interviews or, and, you know, I, I was part of the interview with him, but I have to say this, if you could ever find the tape, well, first of all, Roy Leonard interviewing anybody is, you know, is the ultimate, you know what I mean? Like if you yeah. want to, if you want to learn how to interview someone, go back and listen to any interview ever that Roy Leonard did. You know what I mean? Pro. Absolute mm-hmm. pro did did his yeah. homework. Just the greatest, most cordial, the most intelligent, the best interview that ever lived. And his interviews with Mahoney were spectacular because they're both like amazing, intelligent guys. And to listen to John Mahoney be interviewed by Roy Leonard is a delight. It's a, just a treat. It's a gift. So if you ever go back, but listening to those interviews, you know, with with him, you know, just great stuff. And you know, they're you know yeah. they're re, they're rebooting Frasier, and I'm like, you can't, man. You can't without Mahoney. Yeah, I don't know what they want. Like, why? <laughs> I don't know for money, and I know that. I mean, like, I enjoyed and, the show. Me too. I love uh, Frasier. Frasier's a great show. I mean, I watched one of the... it in Iceland. They had it on. Oh, a... they did. They did. <laughs> there was a channel that was playing. It was like a British channel that was yeah. playing the rerun. So, like, it was still fantastic. Though. Yeah, but <laughs> like they're going to sitting, you, you, sitting you, in Iceland watching Frasier. <laughs> you can't reboot Frasier without Mahoney. I'm sorry, you can't do it. You can't. Yeah. So anyway, well, uh, we we're not going to be able to talk about the crazy facts that we were going to talk about because we got distracted. But that's well, we okay. Talked some facts. We did about some John facts. Mahoney. I also have uh, some articles in the future that we're going to talk about. Uh, I have mm-hmm. an article about uh, who celebrity tippers, who's good, who's bad. We can Ooh. talk about that. Uh, Ooh. And uh, some crazy facts and food marketing tricks that people that the that marketers play on us. So maybe we can talk about that next time. We'll, we can, that'll lead into our taste yeah, yeah. test of Japanese food. Oh, yeah. There you go. For there sure. You go. All right. Well, listen, uh, thank you, Esmeralda. You rule the planet. And again, oh. uh, fantastic night, Tuesday night. And we're going to be doing it once a month starting in January. So great. Very good. Oh, so good. And thank you guys for listening. And if you came out to, uh, to the podcast live, we love you for it. And please come out starting in January. It'll be once a month. Hey, you want to be a sponsor? Advertise with us. Sales at RadioMisfits.com. Again, be a part of the Nick D podcast. Voicemails anytime, 247-773-417-6948. Email anytime, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Again, my thanks to Jason Skaggs for all the themes. My thanks to Ed and everybody at Radio Misfits. Rate and review us all on every platform. Next time uh, we talk, Jim Ryan, who, by the way, was there. 
on Tuesday. He was. That was great. Jim Ryan and Music Talk. He writes for Forbes and Daily Herald. Lots of concert reviews and interviews and other kind of music things we're going to talk about and uh, much more. So we thank you for listening. Esmeralda, I'll talk to you next time. Yeah, see you next time. And there it is. Thanks for listening on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network to the Nick D uh, Podcast. Thank you. The wind is red on